on, everybody? Welcome to the Championship Week edition of the College Football Betting Preview Show uh, from the Betting Predators. As always, I am Dalton Brown at Dalton on Sports here with Clee Picks at Clee Picks. Clee still here, still in the Ohio State shirt. No shame at all after a tough loss. Uh, excited for another fun week of college football. Big games this weekend, naturally, with it being Championship Week. Uh, how, how are you holding up? It was a rough week, man. It was a terrible weekend. Uh, I'll put it that way. You know, Ohio State losing, the Browns losing, and everyone got hurt in that game too. So it was, it was a rough one. It was a rough two days, and uh, you know, won a lot of bets at least. But uh, you know, that was that was the silver lining there. But we're we're holding up. You know, it was a it's a gloomy afternoon on Saturday. I I, I told you pre-show. I after that interception, I just kind of went into the kitchen and I just kind of sat there for like an hour and a half, almost two hours. And the other reason I turned down the game. So I was getting updates about the Auburn Alabama game, which we'll talk about here in a minute, but yeah, it was, uh, it was rough, but still repping the squad. We always have always will. And, uh, you know, maybe, you know, three losses in a row with light a fire under someone's butt there in Columbus and, you know, take the game a little more seriously, but no here there. Yeah, well, and I mean, obviously it was, you know, a bit more competitive than the last two years. Uh, you know, it, it looked at one point like Iowa, like Ohio State was going to turn the tide. Um, but, you know, Michigan held on strong. It, it, you know, it it, it certainly was uh, was the most exciting moment of the weekend. I think, you know, leading up to that kind of a game at noon on a Saturday, um, you know, the, the ratings showed it. Um, you know, it was more than double any other game on the weekend. So. Um, quite a spectacle there. Uh, you know, obviously a, a bummer for you that your Buckeyes didn't come through. Uh, but, you know, they, they still have maybe an outside chance if all sorts of crazy chaos breaks through. I don't know. Um, but quite a ball game. You know, obviously the other big one from Saturday was Bama-Auburn. Uh, you know, Auburn really controlled it most of the way. They looked like a deserving winner. And then uh, Jalen Millerow and Isaiah Bond combined for probably – the most electric play of the season so far um, on a fourth and 31 conversion at the end to win it for Alabama. Pretty shocking to see Auburn not be able to defend a play in that, in that situation. I'd love to hear your, your thoughts on that and the rest of what we saw on Saturday. Yeah. I'll first touch on, on the Michigan Ohio state game. Um, look, I, 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 as much as I, I love Ohio state, I, I thought um, props to Michigan. I thought they played a phenomenal game. I thought Shree Moore coached aggressively, nothing to lose. And, um, you know, credit to him with, with everything that was going on with the program to kind of rally everyone and get get them going. And I thought, quite frankly, they played basically a perfect game, a flawless game. And that's, you know, I thought J.J. McCarthy, you know, every, every ball seemed to be caught. Um, you know, I didn't think Ohio State played badly at all. Uh, you know, they made one mistake, and I think that kind of cost them. And that was, you know, the pick at the start in the middle of the first quarter that, you know, got got the first score on the board, and that literally was the difference there. So going forward, we'll see what happens. I don't think Ryan Day is going to get fired. I think maybe some things will change within the program. Not sure, you know, maybe special teams and stuff like that. Um, you know, bringing in, you know, James Lloyd and I asked for it full-time now as the linebackers coach, maybe – getting rid of Corey Dennis, who's the um, quarterback's coach, and essentially bringing in maybe JT Barrett or, or Kenny Guyton, guys that um, have been there, I guess we would say. I found it 
shocking, not shocking, but interesting, Dalton, too, is the amount of alumni for Ohio State after the game that were speaking out. Um, you know, we saw Josh Perry on a rant on <laughs> who works for NBC um, online just basically go off about how certain players, I'm not going to say who, but um, important ones on the team, uh, you know, just trying to try to take this as an ordinary game. And you can tell Michigan doesn't do that. Under Urban, it wasn't that way. Under Jim, it wasn't that way. And I think that's one of the bigger issues is that, you know, some players have the mindset of, oh, this is another ordinary game, and that's kind of on Ryan Day too. So um, for those that think Ryan Day is going to get fired, probably not. Uh, you know, the AD is on his way out, new president, I believe, too, at the university. I don't think those changes will happen this year. He's still, what, 56-7 and seven as a head coach, which is still damn good. Um, but on the same front, though, uh, I think this is kind of the, hey, we're going to light a fire on you a little bit and, and make it make it toasty. You can't lose four straight next year, but um, I don't think any changes will happen there. When the new AD comes in, when a new president of the university comes in, maybe then, but with Gene Smith on his way out, I, I doubt that he'll do anything in that area. Um, so, yeah, again, props to Michigan. They did, you know, did what they needed to do. And, and uh, you know, if that game was played again, possibly a different result. I mean, heck, that thing was 17-17 in the middle of the third quarter, and Ohio State all the momentum in the game. And, uh, you know, Michigan responded well, and, and, you know, they ended up scoring and getting the stop and kind of made that 10-point gap, and Ohio State was never really able to, you know, well, they got the ball, you know, down the stretch, but, you know, they were never, never able to the ability to tie it. And I think that was – that was the biggest thing in the fourth quarter. So, um, as for the Auburn and Alabama game, you know, we, we talked about it last week. Auburn tends to play up at home against bigger teams. So historically, they did earlier this year against Georgia, and they did it again. Um, so, uh, was I shocked about the fourth and 31? Yeah, I mean, that's that's just a mind-boggling, you know, chop props to Jalen Monroe for, for making the throw. But at the same time, though, Auburn, you got to rush the quarterback there. You can't just drop – rush to and hope for the best, like get the ball out of his hands or make him, you know, run and see if he can, if he beats you on a 31 yard run, so be it. Like you can live with that, but six and a half seconds to throw the ball. I mean, you're asking for, for, for trouble there. So um, yeah, that's what my thoughts, you know, overall on the weekend props to teams like, you know, you know, Florida state, we'll talk about in a minute, you know, getting the job done against their rival, you know, Washington wasn't sexy, but, Again, find a way again, making the plays down the stretch that reverse on or the end around on, on fourth down was a hell of a play play call by DeBoer. Um, and so, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, still bummed, though. I ain't going to lie. <laughs> you can kind of tell it in my tone. <laughs> I'd rather uh, play for a Big Ten championship this weekend. <laughs> yeah. No, of course. Of course. Well, uh, luckily, we've got quite a bit of football coming up, too, and it, it should be a ton of fun. But – um, you know, another thing I wanted to touch on and, and, and a point that I think, you know, if you follow me on Twitter, you've, you've already seen me make this point. But I, you know, I, I've noticed a lot of talk about this possibility of Florida State potentially winning over Louisville in the ACC title game and still potentially not getting into the playoff. Um, I'm, I'm not saying that it won't happen. I wouldn't put it past the committee to make that decision. But um, if. Florida State is one of four remaining undefeated teams and they don't get in, I think that would be completely absurd. 
at, at the end of the day, yes, Jordan Travis is hurt. I think it's perfectly fair to argue that they're not one of the four best teams remaining at that point. That being said, if you can't earn your way there by going 12-0 and and winning the ACC championship, you can't argue to me anymore that the games teams play throughout the season matter, and you can't make the argument to future players that they should continue to give effort at all if their starting quarterback gets hurt. Um, I understand that the stated goal is to get the four best teams in. I think you can use that as a separator if it comes down to it to teams that have the same record or similar resumes. But at the end of the day, if a team's 13-0 and in a power conference like FSU and they've done what that team's done all season, penalizing them for the fact that their quarterback got hurt I don't think is right. Yes, they'd be a massive underdog to Georgia. They'd probably get slaughtered. They've earned the right to get slaughtered in that spot. And I think it's important to maintain that level of competitive integrity because if you don't, you can't make the argument that the games matter. And if the games don't matter, let's watch team let's watch teams practice in the spring. Let's not have them run into each other so nobody gets hurt. And then let's just set up the playoff and just wait a few months and just play it without even playing the games. So that's my two cents there. I feel very strongly that if Florida State wins, they deserve to be there, whether they're one of the four best teams or not. Um, and if we're not going to maintain that competitive integrity, what are we even doing? I, I don't know if you agree with me, but I feel very strongly about that. No, I agree 100% with you, Dalton. I mean, if, if they are if they win this weekend, they should be in. Man, it's, it's pretty cut dry. I mean, they – they won a power five, you know, power five conference. They went undefeated. Um, that's the bigger factor of it. Um, they still played two power five teams with the injury and won both of those. So it's not like they're incapable of showing they can play without the starting quarterback either. So, um, you know, see what happens, obviously. But if they do win, I, I don't know how you can't put them in. Um, again, if they were – they had lost one game, okay, but they went undefeated. You have to reward the players for for doing that, you know, and, and you know, say what you want about was it a sexy, you know, 13-0 or not, whatever, but they still did it, you know, like, you know, I I don't know how they wouldn't be able to. I think it's people that just want the better games, I guess, so to say, but on the same front, though, it's like, Georgia slaughtered everyone. So <laughs> with the exception of maybe the Ohio State, you know, semifinal last year, like they pretty much handled business throughout. So, you know, yeah, I, I, I if you put in a one loss, you know, Washington or something over them or, you know, even Ohio State in that, in that realm, like I'm not sure how much the result really actually changes. Yeah, I mean, and, and I'm curious to get your thoughts as well because, you know, I, I think there's a real chance Florida State loses to Louisville, and if they do, then you end up having some pretty interesting conversations, you know, because I think Washington's vulnerable as well. I think that goes without saying they're a nine-and-a-half-point dog, and I think we're going to start having to make some decisions between teams like Oregon, Texas, Ohio State, um, you know, Alabama, if they beat Georgia, to me, leapfrog, you know, leapfrogs to the front of that line, and I think Georgia's out at that point, so I think that's pretty cut and dry, at least for me. But – you know, I'm curious where you fall on on splitting hairs between teams like Oregon, Texas, and Ohio State. Yeah, um, as much as it, again, kills me to say, I think Ohio State's on the outside looking for help this weekend. Um, I think they're going to be big Oklahoma State and big you know, Louisville fans. Um, you know, at the end of the day, they didn't win a Power 5 conference, and that, I think, may be the overwhelming factor in it. I was a little surprised that they didn't have Texas in front of them this week. Um, so there's that uh, new narrative. I'm like, oh, well, you know, Texas is behind them now. And I'm like, well, they, they, 
they'll have a win over Alabama. The resume's not bad on Ohio State side. I mean, they still have, you know, a top 10 win, two top 10 wins at the time. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's going to be um, if Florida State wins, they're probably in, most likely in, in my opinion, should be in at least. Uh, Michigan, Georgia, and then that final spot for me goes to Oregon, or the Pac-12 championship. I mean, champion. I think it's the best conference of football this year. Um, they probably have a better resume in terms of, uh, you know, a win over undefeated Washington. It looks good. Obviously, it's a better win than what, you know, Texas may have. I know that going to Alabama is tough, but – I don't know. I, I would go with I would go with the Pac-12 champion in that situation, just because of the better conference. Yeah, I, I tend to agree as well. You know, and, and I think there's a, a good argument to be made that Texas's win at, at Alabama might be the most impressive anybody's had this season. I certainly understand that argument, but at the end of the day, you know, if if Oregon beats Washington, I think that win is right up there with it. And you start to look at Oregon's resume overall, and and the Pac-12 was the tougher of those two conferences this year. I think that's just the reality, um, you know. And, and I think Oregon's looked more dominant while winning those games. And and the committee has said before that they care about game control. They care about you know how how dominant are you, not just are you winning. Uh, and Texas has not been as dominant as Oregon going through their schedule this season. So um, you know. What I'd like to see, because I think that's one other interesting thing to hit on here before we start getting into the games, I think the most fun playoff would be Georgia, Michigan, Oregon, and probably Texas at that point. I think that's what I'd like to see. Um, You know, I do think that if Alabama beats Georgia, I feel strongly that only one of those teams should make it because Georgia played one of the easiest schedules in all of college football this season. Um, So to me, if Georgia – that's the other point. Sorry to cut you off, Dalton, which is driving me nuts is this narrative of, well, Georgia's already in because they've won two straight national titles. I don't know. Like, again, like, look, look, look who they faced, you know, and I feel like they keep leaving Tennessee in the top 25 just so it's like, oh, well, they have a top 25 win against Tennessee. And, you know, like, okay, Missouri's a nice win, but. I, I don't know. Like, I just don't see. I don't. I don't know how you can leave Georgia in there if if Texas wins and if Alabama then obviously wins and then if Oregon wins, I think you're looking at Oregon, Michigan, Texas, Alabama. Like, I, you know, like I, I just think everyone's just on this narrative of well, they've won two straight national titles. You have to put them in. Not, not really. Like, you know, like. I don't know. I just, my, it's, I've heard a lot lately, you know, and I'm not sure if you have either, but you know, it's just. No, I, I, I yeah. And the, the words of Peter Griffin, things have been grinding my gears. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it'll be interesting to see. I, I, I have a feeling Georgia's going to handle Alabama. We'll get to that too. Um, and obviously if Georgia beats Alabama, that question gets answered pretty swiftly and pretty convincingly. So um, we'll go ahead and, and start getting into these games. Um, you know, normally we start and end with a best bet, much smaller slate this week. So we are going to instead rapid fire through the games a little bit more quickly than usual, uh, but we are going to hit all of them. So we've got 10 games to go through. That's a little higher volume than we usually do. And at the end, Clee will have his one best bet of the weekend. Um, which is not on a power conference game. So it'll be uh, interested to hear that. Um, 
But, you know, to get things started, we'll, we'll start off nice and light in Conference USA. The New Mexico State Aggies led by Diego Pavia, and uh, they're, you know, really a red-hot team. They're heading out to Lynchburg, Virginia to take on the Liberty Flames. Liberty here in the Conference USA title game, a 10.5-point favorite. Liberty is ranked, by the way, number 25. Uh, one of those teams vying for that last New Year's Six spot. Uh, this game will be on CBS Sports Network, 7 p.m. Friday night. Um, and it's being played on, on campus at Liberty, like I mentioned. So, Cleet, where, where do you lean here? Uh, Liberty, man. I, I've been really impressed with the Flames all season. Um, you know, Jamie Chatwell taking over there from Coastal Carolina and and really, you know, leading the Flames to, to what they've had. They've been one of the better um, ATS teams this season. And, you know, it's been, it's been showing up. You know, last week, I'm not sure if you watched Bad Beats this week, but they should have covered – um, as about 20-point favorites, I think it was, at UTEP. And UTEP scored like 21 points in the final, like four minutes of the game, something wacky that that cost them to cover last week. But, um, look, I think Liberty has been a great team all year, as I said. Um, you know, ATS, they've been, you know, 8-4 and four overall, 7-3 and three in the last 10. Um, New Mexico's look good, too. I mean, that that's another thing about it. You know, props to them. And uh, I believe what they lost at the start of the season, I want to say, some UMass and they've it's just you know that was one of their you know lone losses of the season. They look didn't look impressive there and, and uh you know props to them to, to be in the situation but I really like what what you know Chatwell and Liberty's been doing and give me the minus of ten and a half here at home especially. Yeah I, I think it you know the, the home field is kind of what's keeping me off of New Mexico State. Um you know, because Liberty, it, it's not a power conference school, but having been to that school, the, the facilities there are power conference level. Uh, I mean, I remember even just playing baseball there. That place was packed and loud for like a Wednesday afternoon game. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a legitimate tough environment to go on the road and play, which is not always the case in some of these smaller conferences. But, uh, yeah, you know, I think New Mexico State's been on a little bit of a magical ride. You know, obviously the win at Auburn was, was wild. Um, you know, but you look last week, the three, three point win over Jacksonville state, you know, kind of just sneaking by 13, seven over a bad middle Tennessee team earlier this season. Um, you know, a three point win against Louisiana tech. It's been a lot of close wins, a lot of just scraping by Liberty already beat them by 16 earlier this season. Uh, At Liberty too. That was the other part of it too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. We've got a clear data point here. Um, you know, so to me, this should probably be closer to two touchdowns. So I, I can't necessarily disagree with you on that one. Heading to uh, one of the one of the more exciting games of the weekend, which is also a Friday night game, the Pac-12 title game between Oregon and Washington. Uh, the I believe they're now the fifth-ranked Ducks at the fourth-ranked Huskies in this one. Um, Oregon, despite being eleven and one against Washington's twelve and zero, Oregon, despite having lost straight up to Washington during the season. Laying nine and a half here in Las Vegas. This will be played at Allegiant Stadium over under 66. Uh, you and I have the same lean here. Go ahead with it. Yeah, mine makes zero sense to me. I, I really look, I do I think Oregon's the better team? Yeah. Do I think they're nine and a half point, ten point better than than Washington? No. And then then you know, there's this huge overreaction, I think, to what has transpired in the second half of the season of Oregon's look better than Washington. I think we both both admitted that. But a essentially a twelve point move from a game earlier this season is is outrageous to me on a neutral field. Um, I, and the other factor of this is Washington has an offense that will keep them in this game. 
that'll keep them within this number. If it was if they didn't have a Heisman Trophy quarterback or an offense that could score, I can understand it. But they will they'll be right there. I, I think Oregon ultimately wins the game. They go to the college football playoff, but I think Washington stays within nine and a half. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, I remember you and I having the conversation back around when Oregon played Washington. We, we had a conversation to the effect of, I think we might get some value with Oregon in the title game because they lost this game. And I think the thought when we said that was, well, maybe the game will be close to a pickup. Not Oregon laying nine. There's no value in that. Um, I, I just, you know, have our has our perception on these two teams really moved by double-digit points over a stretch in which Washington hasn't lost. Obviously, they haven't looked terribly impressive, but you have to wonder if part of it, at least last week especially, is a look ahead to this game. So um, it's it's really difficult for me to get to this number. Uh, as much as I do like this Oregon team, I agree with you that I think they win the game. Uh, but but I, I really think we're looking at probably more like 35-31, something like that. Um, Washington's not – like. Here's the other thing, too. This back door is going to be wide open, even if Oregon's up two scores. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Against an offense like this. Even even if we're looking at, you know, 42-28 Oregon heading into the last couple minutes, you don't think Penix will, will punch it in one last time near the end to, to cover? Um, yeah, more than a touchdown here is crazy. So, yeah, give, give me give me the Huskies. Lean, lean to the over again, too. Obviously, it, it hit late in the game last time, but – I think you're going to get a lot of scoring here again. I think both the quarterbacks are can show out in this one. Both are playing, kind of playing for, a, you know, outside of Jaden Daniels, kind of playing for the Heisman too in this situation. Um, so yeah, I think we get a lot of points in this one. Lean the over as well. Sounds good. All right, heading into Saturday and starting off with the MAC title game. We've got some Saturday afternoon action from Ford Field in Detroit. Um, Miami, Ohio is without their quarterback, Gabbert, in this one. They are eight-point underdogs against Toledo. Obviously, neutral site game over under 44. Um, I tapped the under on this early. It's come down a point or two. For me, that's still probably where I'd lean, but I don't have a, a, the strongest handicap of, of the Mac in general, so I'll let you take it away on that. Yeah, I know. I love Toledo here. They've been the best team in the conference all year. Probably in their last-second field goal, loss away in week one away from being undefeated at Illinois um, and maybe playing possibly for, for a group of five, uh, I mean, a New Year's six uh, bowl game this weekend, if that didn't happen. Um, they played earlier this year. Toledo won the game at Miami. You now you go neutral site. There'll be a boatload of Toledo fans this game, short drive for them from Toledo up to Detroit. Um, and they have the best player in the conference in Finn. Um, who knows if this is going to be his last game at Toledo. My inkling says yes. I think he goes to a Power 5 program next year. Um, but uh, that's, that's beside the point. But I think Toledo wins. I think Toledo wins this game going away. Again, best team in the conference all year. Won me a lot of money this year with Futures as well, um, with them winning the West and, and their win total over nine. Um, yeah, give me Toledo. Sounds good. All right. Heading to the Big 12, the other noon game on Saturday. Number 20, Oklahoma State. Number 7, Texas. This game will be played at Jerry World in Arlington, Texas. Longhorns, 15-point favorites over under 55. Uh, Texas obviously needs to win this game uh, and and hope for some help to get into the playoff. Uh, It is help that I think they've got a decent chance of getting. So 
a lot on the line here for the Longhorns potentially. Um, you know, a game with their decent sized favorite here. Do you think the number is too big? I think it is a little bit. I think this one should be around 10, 11. I think 15 is a little bit too much here, um, especially with, you know, a running back like Ollie Gordon. Um, I know Texas is very good, you know, their run defense, but this kid's, this kid's a stud. Um, I think it keeps them in the game for the most part. Texas probably wins the game, don't get me wrong. Uh, but I, I think this game, should again, should be around that 10-11 mark, not 15. It's a little, little too many points here. I'll take Oklahoma State. But Texas wins the game, and we'll see what happens uh, the rest of the day. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I I tend to agree. And, and, look, it's the same take I had to some extent before their game against Texas Tech last week where I thought Texas Tech would hang around. Was very wrong on that. Uh, you know, that game ends up going 57-7. But for the most part, Texas has not been great at pushing margin this year. We've seen it in a couple spots, but we've also seen quite a few spots where they haven't been. You know, obviously Oklahoma got them, but you look, TCU three-point win on the road. Iowa State, they win by 10. That doesn't cover this number. Um, you know, even Houston, who was one of the worst teams in the Big 12 this year, Texas wins by seven in that one. Um, you know, I, I do think that that's going to be a pretty motivated bunch here, but I'm not sure, um, you know, I, I'm just not sure that they'll be able to get margin. I think Oklahoma State can control the clock a little bit with how they run the ball um, and, and maybe keep this under and, and maybe stay within. So, not a strong feeling for me, but I agree that it's a lean on the Cowboys. Next game down, we are going to skip over the AAC. Let's go to the Mountain West, uh, 3 p.m. Eastern time. This game is going to be played in Las Vegas, so they got a quick turnaround on, on getting the stadium ready after the, after the Pac-12 game the night before. Uh, this will be Boise State laying two and a half in a road game at UNLV. Over under 59 on Fox. Um, you know, UNLV, pretty unique offense. Uh, they've, they've been a fun team this season. I think I lean with taking the points here at home, but not terribly strongly. I mean, where, where do you go on this? Yeah, I, I like UNLV plus two and a half. I think the, they've been one of the best stories this season. Uh, Larry Odom, Gary Odom, uh, Coach Odom, I can't script the first name. Uh, Barry Odom, there we go. Couldn't Couldn't say it. Uh, has done a tremendous job with turning around this this Rebels program. Um, you know, wouldn't be shocked if he gets a you know a higher job here in the offseason somewhere. But uh, with that said, yeah, I like the the, the home team here. I think Boise, uh, you know, kind of backdoored their way into the into the title game. They fired their coach what mid season or something. You know, like four weeks ago, they made a quarterback change that kind of turned things around offensively for them. But on the same front, though. Um, Give me the home team getting points here. Again, home game. I actually like the total even more, truthfully, Dalton. I like the over 59. Again, since they made that quarterback change, um, Boise's been putting up points, you know, with the exception of the Air Force game. That's kind of understandable. Um, you know, 42-45. I think they scored 27 last week against the Air Force. But um, I think we get points on both sides. You, you know, V can score it. We saw that a lot this year. Um, and, you know, give me the over 59 as well. Yeah, I think I like that over quite a bit. Boise State, before that Air Force game, nine straight games scoring 30 or more for them. Um, so they were really on quite a run. And, and like you said, when you're taking on a team that, that runs what Air Force runs, putting up 27 is, is no slouch of a performance. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the over makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, for me, I, I just think, I think UNLV is a little bit under, undervalued. You know, I think the loss to San Jose State last week um, had a lot more to do with what that spot looked like motivationally on both sides. 
uh, than, than, than it was, you know, about UNLV not being who we thought they were. So I, I kind of like the Rebels, but I agree with you on the over. I, I think you've actually kind of sold me on that being the way to go here. All right, heading to the Sun Belt, the Fun Belt, as some call it, App State, heading down to Troy, Alabama to take on the Troy Trojans. Troy laying six and laying six at home here, over under fifty two and a half. This game will be at four p.m. on Saturday on ABC. Uh, I'll let you go ahead and, and take over with this one. What do you? Got? Yeah, I like apps. The lean, lean App State plus the six, and I also lean the over in this one again. I think uh, both teams have been playing well offensively. Um, we, we've seen what App State's been doing the last couple weeks, 48, 31, 42, 26, and 55 um, on their part alone. Um, and we've seen Troy been able to score it at home a lot too. So um, I, I lean I lean to the over, but also I lean the plus six. Um, interesting stat, App State has a dog this year, 3-0-1 to the um, ATS. So, you know, another spot here. They've been here before as well. It's another factor in this. Um, so yeah, give me App State plus a six. Should be James Madison, but you know, what can we do? Yeah, I, I totally agree with with the App State side here. Um, I, I'm not seeing enough to suggest that there should be this type of a spread between these two, especially not the way App State's turned it on as the season's gone along, right? I mean, you talked about 55 last week on Georgia Southern, 42 two weeks before that on the road at Georgia State, 31 nine over Marshall before that. Uh, 48 points against Southern Miss. I understand that this is not the greatest competition ever, uh, but winning on the road at James Madison like they did two weeks ago certainly shows me something. Uh, I think this is a team that's surging and figuring it out at the right time, um, and and just I just don't see six points of separation here. I'm, I'm no expert in Sunbelt football, but um, I think six points is, is, is too many, and, and these home field advantages in that conference, um, you know, with, with maybe some exceptions, but these home field advantages in this conference are not worth – uh, you know, more than maybe a point or two. I agree, buddy. All right. So SEC time, one of the biggest games of the day, if not the biggest game of the day. Um, number one, Georgia taking on number eight, Alabama. I forgot to put Alabama's ranking on the screen, but trust me when I tell you that that's where they're at. Um, this game will be played as always in Atlanta at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Um should be a ton of fans from both teams there. Uh, I know Georgia's closer, but I'm guessing the stadium would be pretty split down the middle. These, these fan bases will both travel. Georgia, five-and-a-half-point favorites, over-under 54-and-a-half. Um, this game's on CBS, as you'd expect. I think it's the, the final hurrah for, for CBS with the SEC before they start that massive deal with ESPN. Um, I'll say this right off the top. I think I like Georgia here. I, I think laying less than six, that's where I lean. What, what do you think? Yeah, if it stays at five and a half, I'm sticking with Georgia. I just think, A, they're the better team. B, I think they're super motivated. They've heard a lot of talk this week about how, you know, Alabama surgeon, Alabama this, Alabama that. No one's talking about Georgia again. I mean, this is these are the spots where, where Kirby gets his motivation and no one thought we'd do it and all this other crud, you know, he usually throws out there and they, they, they lay it on him. So, um, yeah, I think Georgia wins this game. They win the game going away. Um, and I think they, they make life. They have the athletes to really keep Jalen Monroe, Monroe um, contained a bit, you know, and we, we didn't see that particularly well um, defensively, you know, from other teams. Uh, I think, as I said, you know, the pass rush is a lot better on that side of the ball. 
you know, yes, Alabama's offensive line's improved, but, you know, I think this is a different animal, and I think Alabama gets after them defensively, and um, I think they, they they win this game going away. So give me Georgia minus five and a half. Yeah, no, I, I see it the same way you do. I think it, I, I'm seeing something like, you know, 38-28, 38-21. I think Georgia kind of squeezes the life out of them as the game goes along. Um, you know, part of it for me, when I, when I think about – Georgia and how they've looked week to week. Um, you know, you look at the last three weeks for them. Obviously, the Ole Miss game at home was, was a massive spot. Uh, and they blow out Ole Miss 52-17 right after they looked kind of lackluster against Missouri, but still won that game by nine. After Ole Miss, they go to Tennessee, absolutely blow the doors off Tennessee on the road. Then you go play lowly Georgia Tech on the road, knowing you have Alabama on deck. I'm not surprised nor concerned about Georgia Tech coming back late and making that game maybe almost competitive. Um, to me, all that tells me is that Georgia is hyper-focused on this Bama game. Um, I think you're going to get a, uh, a very loud and motivated Kirby Smart uh, with Georgia's players, um, you know, convincing them that that Georgia Tech game shows that, that they're not you know that they're not ready. Uh, I think it's going to be a tough week of practice in Athens. I think that uh, I think that's a team that's going to be chomping at the bit coming into Saturday. Um, mm-hmm. Kirby Smart's the ultimate motivator, right? I mean, anybody who's heard excerpts of his speeches that he gives the players online uh, certainly knows that. Um, and I think this is one of those spots where it shines through, and it only helps that Georgia Tech played them somewhat close last week. So, um, yeah, I have a feeling Georgia makes a bit of a statement here. Totally agree, man. I. I... I was happy with the number. I thought it may be a little higher. If it got over six or seven, I may have leaned to Alabama a little bit more. But um, under a touchdown, I'll take Georgia every day. Good teaser spot, too, if you, if you play teasers in college. I do not tease college football ever. But if I did, that's a decent place to do it. <laughs> As someone that does, it would probably be that way, too. So Yeah. All right. Next game. Fascinating one here. Uh, maybe not. Maybe doesn't have the luster that it had before. Um, Louisville, number 14. I, I have a little bit of a typo there with them at number 10. They're number 14 in the country. Um, they'll take on Florida State in Charlotte in the ACC title game, Florida State. Sitting at number four once again in the college football playoff rankings. Uh, Seminoles, two-and-a-half-point favorites here, over under 47-and-a-half. You know, this is one that I bet a few weeks ago. When everybody was healthy, I took nine and a half with Louisville. And obviously now I'm pissed I didn't make it a bigger bet. But to me, I felt even with Travis healthy that Louisville, you know, kind of had the run game and has the athletes to at least make this game competitive. Now with Jordan Travis out of the picture, Louisville coming off a a home loss in a rivalry game. I think we're going to get a really fired up Louisville here. And I think Florida State might be a little timid as this game goes along, especially if Louisville gets out ahead. Um, obviously, FSU has the athletes. Um, you know, I don't think Rotomaker is necessarily like terrible. Um, you know, but but I think I think Louisville getting points here might be a little bit of a mistake. I'd love to get a field goal. What do you think? I I really like Louisville here, especially coming off the loss too, and kind of what you said there off the rivalry. They didn't particularly play the greatest either in that. They, they really looked like they are looking ahead. That was one of the reasons why I took Kentucky last week plus a seven and a half. I just just didn't like the spot for Louisville. Nothing to play for. They already know they're probably not going to make the playoff, and, you know, they're already in the title game next week. So 
this made sense with Kentucky, not the humble brag, but you know, gotta get him when I can, Dalton. But uh, <laughs> I will say this: uh, for Florida State, I have my concerns. You know, offensively too. You know, they they really relied on Benson last week a lot. Um, I thought the quarterback play was okay. Um, I, you know, a lot of the mistakes, obviously. I think Florida shot themselves in the foot a lot. And I think, you know, this week they're playing, again, a motivated team in Louisville, a team that can run the ball effectively, a team that has played in big spots already this season. Obviously, the Notre Dame game comes to mind. I just think Louisville just maybe just the better team with the situation at quarterback for Florida State. I think it's going to be a lower-scoring game. Don't hate the under 47.5 at all. Um, I think it's similar to the Florida Florida State game where it's, you know, as I said, lower scoring. And um, I think, you know, with Louisville, with Braun, um, you know, he's a hell of a coach. And I think they're they're going to have to have a game plan to attack the quarterback, similar to how they did with, with Hartman earlier this year. And, uh, you know, just, you know, play one-on-one on the outside and, and get after him. I think, I think Florida – truthfully kind of messed up in the fact of they really dropped seven a lot in that game. If you re, if you watched it, I'm not sure if you did or not there, there Dalton, but you know, they really rushed for drop seven and didn't get after him. And I was kind of shocked by that. And the times they did, they got after him. Like it was, it was, I'm sitting here watching. I'm like, why aren't they doing this more? <laughs> like, yeah. um, and with Louisville, you know, we, we've seen, you know, them really get after Sam Hartman and really, you know, get after, you know, uh, who am I thinking of? You know, the Duke game earlier this year, you know, and, and granted those games were at Louisville, but um, I think at the same time, though, you know, they, they have a defense that's up for it. I, I, I understand the athletes, the Keon Coleman's, the, the Wilson's of the world and that Florida State have, but I just think this is Louisville's game to win, and uh, I like them plus a two and a half and the money line as well. Yeah, I think, I think we're on the same page there for sure. Uh, all right. I know you don't want to talk about this, but we have to talk about it. The Big Ten title game, uh, Michigan. I think this game is going to be exceptionally boring, but we got to cover it. Number three, Michigan, minus 22 and a half, uh, taking on Iowa. I think Iowa's number 17 or so. Uh, I don't think it matters. I don't want to talk about Iowa, but we have to talk about Iowa. Over under 35. Um, I'm sure you saw it went viral that Iowa's team total in this game uh, in each half was – over under half a point. Um, you know, I, I can't get to either side of the spread here. I might lay it with Michigan. Um, I can't really get too fixated on the total here either. I guess maybe you look at the under, but um, I I think just for fun, I'm going to be taking Iowa second half over half a point. Um, I don't think Michigan allows them to do anything early, but I could see – I think if I was going to score, it's going to happen late. Um, and I think that's what I want to bet on. It's just Iowa to score after halftime at all in, in really what I think is not going to be a very fun game to watch. What, what do you have here? Yeah, I uh, I, I like the Michigan minus 22 here. And um, I just don't know where – this is, is going to be similar to the Penn State game earlier this season where I don't know where the Iowa gets the offense from. They may slow down a little bit, but all of a sudden it's like thirty-one to six, and you know thirty-eight to six in the fourth quarter. Like that's kind of how I feel this game goes, uh, which means I probably like the over too. Truthfully, it's going to be carried literally by Michigan in this game. 
Um, I don't actually, honestly, I don't mind that first half under team total with Iowa. I, I don't know where the offense comes from here. Um, you know, I, I thought Michigan did a great job last week of limiting big runs by Trevion, and we know Iowa just wants to run it and get the third downs and maybe throw it to a tight end. So um, I think they'll be ready for that. I just, yeah, this is going to be bad. Bad, bad, bad. Hopefully there's some good UFC on, so I'll probably just be watching that, truthfully. <laughs> yeah, what, what what do you think of Michigan team total over 27 and a half? Because I feel I, like – I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, because I feel like what I feel like if you're betting the over, you're betting Michigan's team total over, so why not take that, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, I, again, I feel like it's – like I said, it's like the Penn State game with Iowa this year where – you're sitting there watching it and, and Iowa's got empty possessions. It's shorter, you know, the, the methodically just moving the ball down the field. It's nothing sexy. It's, you know, 20 to nothing at halftime. And all of a sudden it's, you know, 30, as I said, 38 to six or something in the fourth quarter. Like, yeah. so yeah, I'm, I'm all about that Michigan team total over. All right. Sounds good. Last game we're going to talk about is the game that's got Clee's best bet in it. SMU at Tulane, number 23 Tulane. This is the AAC championship game. Uh, the Green Wave are laying three and a half at home over under 47 and a half. This will be played at Yulman Stadium on campus at Tulane in New Orleans. Uh, big news here, obviously, SMU without their quarterback Stone. Um, I'll turn it over to you and you can walk us through your best bet. Yeah, no, I love Tulane minus three and a half here. You, you touched on it. One of the big reasons why is. Uh, still in being out for SMU. Tulane's got a phenomenal defense. We saw it throughout the season. We saw it last week um, against Memphis. Uh, they create turnovers. They they get after the quarterback. They have a really good quarterback on the other side. Um, and I think they're the better team in this situation. Yes, if, if SMU had their quarterback, then maybe. Um, but that's a, that's a huge drop-off in a title game, not in a neutral field. Uh, you know, Tulane's gonna be rocking. I love, I love, I love Tulane. I absolutely love Tulane. And minus three and a half, give me them. They win the game going away. Great defense, and uh, maybe in another group of uh, New Year's Six bowl game again, like last year when they beat uh, when they beat USC. Yep, same page as you hear all the way. Um, you know, I, I don't have nearly the information on these teams that you do, but everything about it to me screams Tulane. Um, I was expecting this number to be closer to like maybe six or seven, given the yeah. injury with SMU so seeing that this is still only three and a half because with me even if Stone's healthy three and a half doesn't sound absurd to me you know what I mean so so the fact that he's not and that's where we're at now it starts to sound absurd I mean this this two lane team's really good Dalton I mean they're 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 a Michael Pratt quarterback injury away from possibly probably in my opinion probably being Ole Miss earlier this year if you remember that game yeah where you know the fact that you know that they had the backup in there really showed its ugly head in the second half in that game. They still were right there at the end. Um, this is Pratt's last game, too. That's the other part that I like part about that I like, too. They don't know if he's going to go pro, but he's already said he's not going back to Tulane because he's a fifth-year senior. He can kind of do no uh, – don't want to lay it on here, but kind of like a Riley Leonard type thing where, you know, can go off and do a one-year stint somewhere, maybe at a Power 5 conference. So, um, yeah, I think that he shows up big here. Really good running game too. I love, I love, I love Tulane minus three and a half. Sounds good. All right. Well, everybody, thanks for joining us as always. 
Um, as of right now, I, I think our plan for bowl season is going to be to do two shows. Um, we will let you know what to expect there. Uh, but, you know, really excited for this weekend. Uh, should be a, a ton of fun to, to watch these games and see how everything shakes out with the, with the playoff on Sunday. Um, and then can't wait to see where everybody ends up going for bowl games. Um, I think I want Duke to play Texas A&M. Um, Give me your two cents on that there, Dalton. I want to stick it to Mike Elko. Uh, (laughs) Look, I I got no problem at all with leaving Duke for Texas A&M. I think that makes a ton of sense. I would probably do the same thing if I were him. Uh, But have the decency to tell your guys. You know, have the decency to to tell your guys face-to-face. Have that conversation. Um, instead, they they left like the he left like the Baltimore Colts in the middle of the night. Um, didn't tell anybody. Tried to hold a Zoom meeting the next day after telling them he was going to meet with them in person. Um, I just think there's a way to do it without being a spineless coward. And, and I think he uh, I think he failed in that endeavor. Um, and so you know, as as much as I'll be rooting for Riley Leonard's success wherever he ends up, I can't say the same about Elko. Um, and I can't really say he left the program in a better place than he found it either because uh, leaving the way he did, um, it's it's going to be a mass exodus from Duke. I don't blame any of the players. Um, and truthfully, Elko didn't accomplish anything that, uh, that, that you know, uh, that wasn't accomplished before him, right? I mean, we, we've seen Duke play in the Peach Bowl. Um, this, this program has a new floor as of the last decade or so that I'm really excited about. Uh, but unfortunately, I think we're going to now have to reestablish that floor with, with a totally new roster. So that's my two cents there. <laughs> but anyway, appreciate everybody joining as always. Um, you know, thanks for for the kind words that you've been giving us about the show. Um, you know, always let us know what you think and, and feel free to reach out to us on social media. Uh, leave us a review, whatever you want to do. Uh, we love hearing from you. Clee, thanks for joining. As always, it's been a ton of fun this year. Always a pleasure. We'll talk during bowl season, Dalton. And, uh, yeah, you know, as always, thanks to the listeners. And um, always a pleasure, you know, interacting with you guys online as well. All right. More to come. Enjoy the games.